You're listening to the God, God Life Culture, Culture Podcast, Podcast, where faith and what's trending collide. Welcome, welcome back to the latest episode of the God Life Culture Podcast. This is Eddie. What's up, everyone? This is Miguel, and we are so excited that you are back and that you are ready for a brand new episode of the God Life Culture Podcast. Like always, we want to start off this episode with reminding you, if you are not subscribed, be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening to us. And if you have not done so already, please leave us that review and that rating. This definitely helps put our podcast in front of more people. Eddie, how are you feeling today? Today is a good day. As always, I am just even excited to be here. Obviously, you know, and I was thinking about that today. I was like, I always start off. I wonder if people think that my life is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always talking about, oh, it's a great day. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. Uh, But I do think that there is... um, even though if you've had a funky day or you've had a day where it's just been crazy and you've just been like on the go, 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 you know, the the idea that you are still breathing, you're still alive um, is something that you need to be grateful for. So whenever you ask me the question, my immediate response is always to be like, it's good. Everything's going good because, you know, people closest to me, they're all doing good. I'm still alive. I'm still kicking. Um, so even though things may not be where I want them to be or be perfect or be whatever, you know, at the end of the day, I can still find joy in those little things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's something that, uh, again, we make that decision so we can choose to reflect and live our life off of all the negativity and all of the struggles and things that we encounter every day and stay in that funk or we can make that conscious decision that even though things like you said may not work out always like we want them to or the way we expected we choose to remain positive right and you know we hope that the outcome will uh you know will be will be that positive thing that we are wanting and looking for so i can definitely relate to that all as well on my side and i am ready to uh, get into this conversation today because the guest that we have is no stranger to the podcast because she was on um, back in April and I can't believe it's been that long been that much time but you know that episode so many people enjoyed it so many people uh, you know gave us great feedback about the conversation we had on mental health and just all the topics that we covered in that episode so if you haven't listened you know to that episode in a little bit you'll definitely uh, you know be reminded of who we have, you know, on the podcast today and who was on at that time. But uh, we're just glad to have her back so we can have another mental health check in. And, uh, (laughs) you know, the conversation that we're going to have today, I know so many listeners will be blessed, uh, you know, by. So can you please welcome back to the God Life Culture podcast, Priscilla Berrios. Priscilla, how are you doing today? God bless you guys. I'm very honored. I I mean, listen, it's always great to get that first invite to speak. But when you get the second one, it's like, oh, they liked it. (laughs) So I'm happy to be back. This is such an honor. Yeah, no, thank you also for taking out of your time to be with us. You know, we definitely knew like once in the moment back in April, I can't believe it was it's yeah. April, you know, we were definitely blessed and enjoyed the conversation, uh, enjoyed the conversation. And then also, like Miguel said, with the feedback and everyone else that liked it as well, you mm-hmm. know, we're like, man, we really we even said it there at the end of the recording. I was like, we're going to have you back, yes. um, you know, <laughs> so let's make sure that we, we schedule that. But April, you know. Is yeah. it's been a couple of months. So yeah. what's going on? Like, are there any updates? Anything crazy oh or exciting's been going on in your end of the world? So, I didn't know while I was doing that podcast with you guys, I actually had COVID. Really? <laughs> oh so let's start there. Um, I remember talking to you guys, and I had like this slight headache. Um, and then the next day, I was really sick. And then my husband felt really sick. And then my son, who's now 11 months, but then, oh my gosh, was he like seven months? Six months or seven months? He had COVID. Oh my goodness. My parents had COVID. It was like this whole thing. Half of our church had COVID. And to God be the glory, we're here. Yes. Um, It was horrible. I'm not going to lie. I definitely couldn't breathe. Um, There was one night where I really thought like, oh my gosh, I have to go to the hospital. Um, my doctors were a little surprised because I don't have asthma. I don't have, yeah. you know, thank God I don't have these underlying conditions, but 
I don't know. It was interesting going through it. I was like, okay, I, I get it. But we're here on the other side. Yes. We're good. But I just thought it was so interesting that even during the podcast, I had it and didn't know. <laughs> but so there was that. And then I actually have been able, I don't know if you saw on my page, um, as an MFT, yes. once you do all your hours and you collect all this information and the paperwork, you have to do this huge national exam and the passing rate is like slim to numb, especially the first time. And on my first time, glory to God, I passed the national exam. Yes. And I'm, 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 basic, I'm just waiting for the paperwork because New Jersey <laughs> has to send the paperwork. So I'm not technically a full licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm just waiting for the piece of paper. But basically, yes, I am yes. a past national licensed marriage and family therapist. It's been a long, almost 10 years road. Wow. Can you talk a yeah. little bit about that journey yeah. for people who may not even know like what that entails or they may think like, mm -hmm. oh, it's a few classes or a few this, a few that. Like what exactly did that 10 year journey or like, you know, those things that you had to do along the way look like? Yes, I'm so happy I could have this chance because you know what it is? Sometimes you have some people that do, you know, they'll, they'll do a good Google search and <laughs> say, oh, I know about mental health. I know this. What does that therapist know? We know a little bit more. Our training is a little bit deeper. So each, and I think I said this last time, you each clinician might be in a different area. When it comes to marriage and family therapy, especially here in the state of New Jersey, once you graduate with a marriage and family uh masters, you then here in New Jersey have to collect 4,500 hours wow. with it. At first it was within three years. Then they changed it to five years. During that time, you have to have a specific amount of oh, the number escapes me, a specific amount of marriages. Those have to account for those hours, individuals, groups. Um, then you have your supervision hours where you're under your supervisor, just speaking about different cases for them to help you how to manage that. Then you t do all the paperwork, send it out. I would have been doing this a whole lot sooner, but you know, COVID definitely slowed some things down. Then you prep to take this huge exam. It's about 180 questions about every type of theory, CBT to oh my goodness, to every theory that we do, to what's in the DSM, just a big, huge test to then hopefully pass, which is what I did. Thank you, Jesus. And <laughs> then they give you that uh, final licensure. Yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot of hoops to jump through. And I'm not mad. It's just, you know what? If we're going to be competent in this area, you know, this is why you, you make sure when you're going to look for a therapist, make sure that they are licensed and they went through these different, um, different things, the hours they had to collect the licensure. Yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, definitely congratulations to you. Thank I know you. when I saw that on Instagram and social media, I was very uh, happy and excited for you Thank as you. well. And, um, you know, like you said, it's just good to know that uh, the people that, you know, we talk to and, you know, the people that we have on, even on our podcast, this isn't just like a hobby that you picked up, you know what right. I mean? Or just like books that you like to read. This is, right. you know, something that you study and educate yourself on. Um, yeah. So, you know, that definitely means a lot. And also I've noticed in these last, uh, you know, few weeks, and uh, time on Instagram, you started mm -hmm. a new series on Wednesdays called Wellness Wednesdays. Yes. So what prompted you to start uh, Wellness Wednesdays? On it is going to sound so spiritual, but yes, God. It was really <laughs> a God thing, just tugging at my heart. During the pandemic, I did little lives here and there. Um, I remember oof, last year, April, like right when the shutdown started, I did one called Pastoring Through the Pandemic. And I was able to speak to different pastors, like right in the beginning of the shutdown. And just, it was so great because they were so vulnerable and just so honest with their frustrations with everything that was going on. And then, you know, during that, I was like, wow, I like this whole live experience because the people could write to you right there in the moment. They could ask different questions. So lately what I've been doing every Wednesday, as of now, 4 p.m. Eastern, uh, every Wednesday, just different topics. Lately, um, right now we've been doing the topic about how to deal with difficult people. Last month was pretty cool. We spoke under the topic of exposure and just exposing the whole new age uh, practices of how to do wellness and how it doesn't, you know, really align with, with the, the Bible. And it's just been a great every Wednesday, just being able to engage with the followers 
has been really, really cool. Awesome. I mean, and today, you know, one of the reasons, you know, why we, you know, have you back on the podcast is yeah. because the topic that you chose uh, for this month for your Wellness Wednesdays on how to deal with difficult people is a topic mm-hmm. that I think even just our listeners and even ourselves could really benefit from because the reality yeah. is, uh, regardless of where we are, what state we're in, what you do for a living, mm-hmm. we are always dealing with people. And, uh, you know, I think I always think even just of some of the qualities, right, that, you know, we have in ourselves that we may not always like, right, whether it's uh, in our personality or in our social skills or all of these different things. So we could even imagine, uh, you know, that plus dealing with other people, right? So Mm -hmm. many more personalities and and Mm -hmm. all of these other things that uh, definitely can affect us, right? So... The question, we're going to kind of just start right yeah. there. How do we deal with these people? <laughs> Can you tell us? <laughs> That's the what do question. we do? <laughs> oh, it's so interesting. This is going to sound simple, but this is the first thing we have to get in our minds. Number one, you cannot change them. Mm. You can't change difficult people. Uh, you know, it's interesting because whether you want to label them difficult or toxic, these are the people that drain you. Um, it's interesting. I was actually just reading an article about the different types of difficult people. And it was saying that one of them are considered the drown, the, the downers. Those are the ones that like to complain and judge. They're, they're just super pessimistic. Then there's the, the better thans, the one that thinks, you know, they're better than you. They like to name drop. They like to compare. They want to impress you. And then you have, which I think is the most interesting one, the victims. Mm. The passive aggressive victims that want you to save them while they're blaming you for trying to fix them. I don't know if that makes sense. Like you can never do anything right. They want you to fix them, but don't fix me that way. You know, I think of like the old school Spanish person that's like, nadie me ayuda, nobody helps me. But then when you go to help them, they're like, no, 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 estoy bien, I'm fine. <laughs> it's like, it's just, it's just difficult. And a lot of the times these difficult people that we're seeing, I don't know if you, you guys are familiar with this, they just have a personality disorder. Yeah, quite possibly, yeah. Have you heard of personality disorders? Yeah, definitely. Break it down, yeah. like, you know, for some of our listeners. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so personality disorders are so interesting. You have your mood disorders, like borderline. You have um, your eating disorders. What we don't talk too much about is personality disorders. Personality disorder is the borderline, the histrionic, the narcissistic, the, the dependent personality, the paranoid person, the person that's way too clingy. That's personality disorders, which means something's out of order. So we go out into our world, we go to church, we're in our family, and they are there. They're present. So when they are exhibiting these behaviors, the first thing we want to do is try to change them. Mm -hmm. That's why I I start with number one of you, you can't. You can't change them. This is a pervasive pattern of behaviors that they've been doing for years, and you're not any different. So I would start there. Just accept that you can't change them. Now, I do have a question because I do. I I agree with that statement. Um, but then I also wonder, is there a possibility where you may encounter a person uh, who is being difficult, whether it is attributed to their personality disorder, bad habits that they have mm-hmm. or whatever, um, where there is the possibility that these individuals have never had anyone pointed out to them? Oh, yeah. So then in that case, yeah. <laughs> in that case, you're kind of like you can't change them. But there is a way to help certain people um, where you can be like, listen, do you realize that X, Y and Z? And then at the end of the day, it's really up to them on if they're going to take that and yeah. apply it. Um, but there is there. there I, I do think that there is maybe a little bit about like giving grace to the person and maybe no one's really had a conversation with them about the things that they do that makes them come off as difficult. Well, here's the thing. If you're dealing with a narcissist, they lack awareness. Mm -hmm. They lack empathy. So let's give the example of a narcissist. You say, Hey, do you notice you do A, B, and C? They will most likely say yes. So what? Mm. So that's why I come with the thought of don't, don't approach them with already, you know what it is, especially us Christians, we want to save people. Like, Dito, <laughs> let me show them the love of God. Let me show, and you should, 
But the thing is, if the motive of your heart is, I want to show the love of God so that they can change, that's where it becomes a little difficult. The only one that could change them is the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. You know, the only one that could touch hearts is the Holy Spirit. We show grace. I have a, a, a supervisor that says some people are EGR, extra grace required. <laughs> you just have to like lay it even thick, even more thick towards people. And the Bible says it, Matthew chapter 5, 43, love your enemies, right? That's like the, the biggest difficult person you could deal with. But my thought is if you come with the perspective, if you come with the approach of I want to help them, you cannot help anyone that doesn't want to be helped. Because, and I say that because I've seen it. I've seen people with narcissistic parents or a narcissistic boyfriend. It's like, you know what? I'm going to tell them. I'm going to share with them the things I've seen. And hopefully they get it. And they don't. Hmm. It's difficult. That's, I mean, again, they're difficult people. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of times uh, when it comes to dealing with people, right, people in general, um, you know, there are certain individuals that we are able to avoid. Right. Yeah. There are certain, um, you know, I think back in school when they would tell you to pick your own group. Right. You kind of would go yeah. with your friends or the people you liked <laughs> right. being around. Right. And then uh, once you kind of get to a certain grade or maybe even college and groups are assigned to you, you kind of yeah. have no choice. Right. You have to be with that person. Um, then when you, uh, you know, as you get older and you get a job, uh, you may not like a coworker that's, you know, in the same department as you. Right. Mm -hmm. Or then you go to church and there's someone within your church that you have to see all the time and then you know maybe even work with at times that you don't like they say vibe with or click or connect yeah, yeah. with and they have some of these traits so what do you do if you're that individual who can't get away from this person or can't get away from yeah. you know that individual who's causing them you know again to to feel down or or is that um you know kind of victim mentality or the better than right how do you deal with the person you just can't avoid yeah. So this is a huge one because, again, it might be in your family. It might be your spouse. So if number one is to accept that you can't change them, only God could change them. Um, even thinking about Luke Luke chapter 17, where Jesus is like, hey, offenses will come. Stumbling boxes will come. So kind of like accepting I can't change that person. Number two would be boundaries. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. It is okay to have boundaries with people especially difficult people you might not oof. especially depending how difficult they are because now we could kind of speak on you know are they abusive now you might have an even thicker boundary up but depending what level they might be at you really want to assess your boundaries with them this might not be the person that you tell your most deepest secrets to mm -hmm. yeah so what do some of these boundaries look like then? So for instance, you said for yeah. one, you know, not sh like things, uh, not sharing everything, right? Keeping certain yeah. things uh, private. What are some, I guess, other boundaries, practical boundaries that, uh, you know, you may have to make being in this situation? Well, you know what? You know, it's best for me to think of like an example. Let's say you have an aunt. I don't know why I think, uh, uh, I don't know why I feel like, <laughs> I like this. But let's say your aunt is a downer. And she just drains you. She's she's negative for whatever reason. Maybe she's dealing with her own depression. And this is why we need to have grace. We don't know, you know, everything that the other person's going through, why they're behaving this way or acting this way. But let's say they are downers. That might not be the person you want to go on vacation with. <laughs> True. You know, something as simple as that. It's like, you know, I want to spend time with my tia on such and such day. I am more than a morning person. I'm better as a morning person, so I'm going to do a morning brunch with her. I'm not going to do a late night right after work where I'm already drained from work. So that in itself is a boundary. I'm setting the limits. I'm kind of calling the shots of like the when, the where, the how. Um, I know of individuals where... A sibling might be a, a huge victim and the woe is me and everybody is to blame and they can't do a phone call with them every day. They might do like the once a week phone call to just catch up, but that's all they could really handle. Yeah. So even just limiting your time with them and you're still loving on them, you're still showing them grace, but you're being realistic to your boundaries because there's but so much that you could take from someone who is draining, someone who's always negative or someone who's who's uh, just, you know, manipulative. You, you might want to limit that time with them. 
Do you think that boundaries need to be communicated? So if I am mm. someone who's with the tia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you're the tia. Um, right. <laughs> do I... Do I just know, like, okay, this is my boundary. I already know that if I'm going to go over to her house, it has to be before five o'clock because she's going to have me there yeah, for three yeah. hours. Like, you know, you're going to have the whole, you know, you prepare yourself mentally. But yeah. then does she need to know? Because she may feel a certain type of way about why you only come over here before five o'clock? Why you never yes. stay for dinner? Yes, I would say it depends the type of difficult person you have. Mm -hmm. This situation, I would say definitely for the narcissist. If you have that person, right, so you, narcissist is the one that um, they need admira uh, the admiration. They want to be, they have this entitlement. They want to be praised. Um, they have this grandiose sense of self, like they're better than everyone. So they demand time with you. Mm -hmm. So this might be the person that you have to say no. Some people you have to paint a clear picture with. Some people you don't have to. Mm -hmm. Some people you could just say, oh, no, I'll be there around five. That's just what's best for me. And, and you know, <laughs> you go for what's you go for what's best for the other person. Like if you know you going through the detail of, you know what, this is why I don't come here. That's going to break their heart. Don't don't do that. But when it's like, OK, this person is just not getting it. I'm putting this boundary up and they're like, but why? Why can't you come over? But you get out of work at this time, like narcissists will push and push <laughs> and push. So you might have to put your foot down with them and say, hey, I don't think you notice, but you are a little bit demanding. And this is really the only free time I have. Yeah. Now, here's the thing about boundaries. I'm only responsible for how I say things. I'm not responsible for how you take it. Mm. Good. So they might. Oh, I heard him. Mm, was that good? That was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say that again. <laughs> yes, I will. So I believe uh, Paul even says this, like, you know, speak your truth in love. But the thing is, I'm not in control on how you're going to take it. I'm going to do my best to say what I'm going to say with love and be gentle and be kind. Right. All the fruit of the spirit. But I don't you know, he, this person might still be upset, whine, complain, especially, you know, if they're a difficult person. But that's OK. The boundary still needs to be there. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, you can't change them. We have to create boundaries. Those are our first two uh, steps and points there. Now, when we talk about, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that oftentimes when we say about dealing with difficult people, we kind of think about the people we don't like, right? Yeah. We, we're thinking about the people that uh, we kind of, uh, you know, don't want to be around. But let's say, what if it's a friend mm -hmm. that has difficult qualities? Right. Mm. So, you know, you value this friendship or, you you know, you uh, you have invested time in this friendship um, and there are these difficult qualities or characteristics or things that c are constantly and consistently uh, shown in this friendship. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. How do you go about talking about these things you know what yeah. i mean like this is an individual who obviously you care for you share with how do you go about having that conversation that may bring up some of these you know uh these terms right or these things yeah. like you know like you, you kind of seem to always you know act this way or you, you make me mm -hmm. feel this way you know how do you go about kind of uh bringing these issues to the forefront with a friend this is good i'm thinking of i believe it's a proverbs where it says um the wounds of a friend. Oh, what is it? The, the wounds, wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. Kisses? Yes, that's the one I'm thinking about. You know what? If this is a friend, this kind of makes me think of it's kind of like a test. If your friend is a friend, they should be able to listen to some type of correction. Because you're a friend. Again, if you are coming from a place of kind, it's not that you're going to go to them and be like, oh my gosh, I have this list <laughs> of toxic things that you do. Because then it's going to come off judgment, you know, judgy. And hey, we all fall short. Yeah. You know, we all have a little bit of this difficultness tendencies in ourselves as well, um, which is why we all need grace. Um, the people you're thinking about that are difficult, they'll probably have you on their list. <laughs> so if this is your friend, I would be honest, speak with them, pray about the when, where, how you're going to have this conversation. Um, use what we call uh, the gentle startup. Like, hey, is it OK if we could speak about this? It's been on my heart. You don't want to start off rude with, hey, we got to talk right now and then do it through text. No, this is a conversation you want to do face to face. Sit back then when you're done and observe. Observe how they receive that information. If you did your best 
and you 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 said it with kindness and you said it with as much love as you can right um the bible says love is patient love is kind you did all that you had no record of wrongs you were just letting them know this is what i observe and they still either a act like that never happened because you have some people that do that i don't know what you're talking about that never happened i never said that uh, this is just you. Why are you saying that? If you're noticing that type of tone, that kind of shows there's no empathy. Hmm. When there's no empathy, that's a problem. Empathy sounds like, wow, I didn't notice I was doing that, but I'm sorry you experienced that. I'll try and be more aware, mm-hmm. you know? So it's a good test. This is really going to show if you are going to last with that friend in the future. Yeah. Because it could go other, you know, one or two ways. And I think that's why a lot of people are afraid to have a conversation like this with their friend. Because I think for some people deep down, they know it's not a healthy friendship. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if I do this conversation, they're going to leave. And this is what I've noticed. Some people stick around with difficult friendships, with toxic friendships, because they rather have a toxic, unhealthy friendship than none at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. But yeah, I would make a clear conversation. But here's the thing. If you're listening and and, and this is a conversation you, you need to have with your friend, it comes with a lot of bravery because mm-hmm. you, you might lose the friend. And you know what I think? And it's funny because as yeah. you were before you got in, into that, I was already thinking of something I wanted to ask um, yeah. because having those conversations are important. Um, and it does, like you said, take a sense of bravery uh, to yeah. be able to listen. We got to talk about something. Um, but, you know, what would you tell someone, for example, because like you said, you're only in control of how you say and what you say. You're not in control on how they take it or how they say it. Uh, right. But they have the conversation. The person you know, either doesn't listen, maybe you had multiple conversations, but there comes a point where you realize, you know what, I have to sever this friendship. It's too draining. It's becoming too much. It's, it's not good for my mental health. It's not good for where I am currently in life, whatever your reason is or whatever. So you sever the tie. Like you have to, you, you, it's like a breakup really with friendship sometimes. Um, So you have this friendship breakup, Mm -hmm. but the, you as the individual who did that, for example, you, Mm -hmm. you still have to reconcile your emotions and how you feel about it. So even though, you know, this person wasn't healthy for me. You yeah. may still struggle with the idea, but I missed them. They were my oh, yeah. friend. It was X amount of years. You know, I missed their kids or, you know, whatever. Because sometimes mm-hmm. it's people that you've known for years that you've had to reach a point to be like, okay, I have to really cut this tie. What do you tell that person? It's a grieving. Mm-hmm. It's it's grief. You're going through grief. I I've had my fair shares of toxic friendships that in the moment I just thought that was what friendship was. I'm talking about stuff that happened like in high school. And I I could be honest, maybe till recently, I feel like I just finished grieving it. Like it takes a while. Grief isn't just something you feel, experience, go through when someone actually dies and passes away. It's any type of loss. So yeah, so imagine that friend who saw you grow up or that friend who was the family friend and um, they knew your kids, you know their kids, and then something happened and, and you guys had to have that friendship breakup. It's a loss. A piece of you does like die. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you have to grieve it. Like what you said about emotions, you have to like really go through it. Don't get over it. Go through it. Go, yeah. Just like any grieving process, there's the sense of denial. Oh my goodness, did that really happen? There's a sense of bargaining where you're questioning, well, what if I would have done this different? What if this would have happened different? There's anger. There's the stage of depression. There's the stage then of acceptance. And the thing of uh, about acceptance is where you could finally go, okay, it is what it is. The thing about grief is it's not one stage happens, it's done, now you go to the next one and that's it. Sometimes it's like a roller coaster. Some days something will trigger and you're back to anger. And then you're back to bargaining and then you're back to acceptance. But then the next day you're angry again. Like it's just trying your best to be just patient with yourself, not just giving grace to others, but giving grace to yourself. It takes time. Friendships are friendships are big. And I think that's why the Bible speaks so strongly on friendships. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you gave emphasis on the importance of grieving, because I think that that's something, especially in, you know, the Latino culture where we don't Mm -hmm. really, I think, talk about that enough. Right. Where it's like Mm -hmm. a a relationship or a friendship ends, you know, a family friend is no longer, you know, a friend anymore. And it's almost like it's just very negative. It's, you know, we cut that relationship. You know, we don't invite them anymore. We don't talk about them whenever they're mentioned. It's in a horrible way. And obviously there are things that happen and and circumstances that, you know, merit certain decisions and certain reactions. Um, But I think it is very important, like you said, the process of grieving. Right. And um, You know, I think this could also contribute to, uh, you know, the individuals who may not take the time to grieve certain friendships or relationships or certain things in their life. And they quickly move on to the next where, you know, they had that one friend or two friends and then things happen where they don't have them anymore. So they, they move on to someone else. And again, they haven't really had that moment or process to grieve, you know. What does it look like? I know you you kind of mentioned some of the steps, but what does it look like to grieve in that case? You know, if we're talking yeah. about a friend that we're no longer friends with, is it like you're going to take a week to just cry it out? And then after you cry it out, you're going to take a week to now, you know, reflect and then another week to, you know, what is kind of, what does that grieving process look like? Yeah, here's the thing. I'm glad you're asking that. It's It's a hard question to answer because everyone grieves differently especially depending what culture you come from. For some cultures, grief isn't really acceptable. In others, yeah. it's more acceptable or bereavement. So it's like, for some people, the first thing might be tears come to your eyes. For some people, I've seen people that don't cry at all, but they are grieving. It's a moment of reflection. It's a moment of just processing your thoughts. Uh, I know of some people when they're grieving, they just like to journal. They just want to write it out. What exactly happened? For some people, it's just gathering information, kind of processing, like, what happened? How did this friendship even get to where it got to? They're kind of just retelling the story. Sometimes just doing therapy on a grief is is so helpful because it's them trying to sort out this jumble of stuff that's in their head. And they're trying to, I guess a better phrase to say is like, the thoughts in their head are you know what image I have in my head? I'm sorry. I'm a mom and I have these kids and I think of the movie uh, Inside Out. Yes. You know that one? Yes. Remember the scene where all the, the balls that, that, that represent um, the, the memories fall on yeah. the floor? Yes. Yes. That's kind of what it feels like to have grief. All these memories and stuff are just on the floor and you're trying to organize them better. Mm. When grief happens, when trauma happens, there's so much happening in our brain that it's easy to say i'm good i'm fine i'm I'm not even listening to that person no more i don't care about that person but all those like balls are still on the floor and you need a moment to maybe it's a weekend maybe it's a full week everyone's different but just moment a time frame where you could just process put the ball back in its place put things back in its place what happened maybe you have to retell yourself the story maybe there were red flags you saw earlier on and you just you know, denied them just to better understand what happened. Because sometimes, especially with a friendship that started off with trust, that started off so well, now has ended the way it has. It's almost like the rug has been pulled under your feet. And you need that moment to go, whoa, this person that I trusted is now not my friend. That's huge. So yeah, so time frame it it really depends on the person. I would say at least more than a day of just trying to process and go through what happened. Yeah, no, it, I it think might that's... be through tears. It might not. It could be a nice walk. Mm-hmm. So it, it really depends on your personality style. I'm an introvert, so to me, I might want to be alone. I might, I might want to reflect alone or maybe with like one other close friend. Um, my husband's an extrovert. He He's the type of, you know, the more the merrier. Maybe he <laughs> needs to be with a group of people to reflect. So everyone's a little different. Yeah, And I also think that every situation is different. And, you know, yeah. you would hope that uh, in your life journey, you don't have to 
cut off multiple people or yeah. you have to break yeah. up relationships, uh, your friendships with other people. But unfortunately, it does happen that way yeah. where you may have one or more situation where you did have to, you know, cut that tie. And even grieving that can be different from one situation yeah. to the other. You know, so yeah. just because you had a certain experience with one person one way doesn't mean that that's the same way that the process will be uh, the next time around. Right. And, um, oh. you know, you know, because you know, we know that, and I think we spoke about this the last time as well, that, you know, when it comes to like therapy and counseling and, you know, mental health and wellness, you know, we understand that there is a physical, you know, thing, you know, where it is that sometimes people have a chemical imbalance or they have a situation right. with a diagnosis or a disorder or this, but we also are very conscious of the fact that there is a duality with the spiritual side. Um, oh, yeah. So when it comes to dealing with someone difficult, you know yeah. there are times where it's a chemical imbalance they're off their meds and they're this that and the third um but then it is is there ever a case where it is a spiritual thing where this person is difficult because of a spiritual affliction i think it's all of the above i really do and here's the thing i'm so happy we're talking about this even within this year with everything that's been going on with the pandemic, I guess technically we're still in a pandemic with the <laughs> pandemic, the, you know, people in general have dealt with trauma. Like we're getting out of 2020 with some, with, with some degree of PTSD. Yeah. Because you survived it. Even if COVID never touched your household, you still survived not a stressful year, a traumatic year. And that can either make you or break you. I have never seen so many difficult, nasty people. And I really believe it's coming out of what we've experienced. So many people are just angry. And of course, there it has to be also something spiritual because thank you, Lord, we know Jesus, right? So we could cast our anxieties on him. And I think of individuals that don't, don't yet know him. What do they do with their anxieties? Where can they then, you know, cast it all on? And I just think it's it's huge that whether it's spiritual, chemical imbalance, or, or whatever, we still have to show love, 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 and more love, right? If the, the Bible says, if you love me, Jesus said, if you love me, you're gonna you're gonna follow my commandments. We gotta love God, love people, because I really think after everything that we've been seeing with the pandemic and and things that are still happening this year, there's gonna be a rise of even more difficult people, whether spiritually, uh, issues going on, personality disorder, what so have you, because there's so much anger, there's so much hatred with everything going on. So yeah, if it's spiritual, even that I would say put a boundary up because that too can be draining. You ever heard that phrase, um, misery loves company? Yeah. Oh, it's so true. People love to suck you in. They might not know in the moment what they're doing. Like not all the times a difficult person is operating from like consciousness. Sometimes they're just doing it. That's just their, the way they've been operating for years. Everyone in their family is difficult. Everyone has this trait. That's just how they communicate. But, you know, whether it's conscious or unconscious, we have to be so guarded up because the temptation to not show grace, the temptation to not love is so alive today. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like you said, it's just having that empathy and understanding as well yeah. that, you know, if we went through, you know, a tough year and we went through circumstances, I'm sure there are you know, a plethora of other people who also went through, you know, similar experiences or similar emotions, you know, and one thing that, uh, you know, I guess it's the, the day and age that we're living in right now is that, you know, with because of our dependency on technology and, you yeah. know, all of those things in social media, it seems like um, oftentimes you'll kind of see people uh posting just everything and how they're feeling up on social media yes. you know uh yeah, whether yeah, it's yeah. struggles and friendships or struggles that they're having um you know and a lot of times it they're not like super specific or blunt about it they they won't say like you know this is my brother i'm talking about or this is my cousin or that's <laughs> the president of this ministry you know they won't like go all out and say that but yeah. they'll kind of post these subs that you're like okay like obviously you're mad at someone or obviously right. you know you need to have a conversation with someone you 
you know and one of the things that i often find um you know is is almost like everyone <laughs> seems to have people in their life whom they think are jealous of them right yes. oh and my it's God. My and it's like this this thing where it's like everyone's hating on me everyone's Ain't jealous nobody of hating on me. <laughs> you know like everyone wants you know my house everyone wants my spouse everyone is jealous of you know my family and all the things i have my cars and you know there is a certain level where you know I think we all experience that, right? Where there are people that, you know, they really are hating on us or they really have these feelings yeah. or whatever and they're expresses, expressive about it. Um, but I guess it's that two-part question. You know, how do you deal with those individuals who it's like you said, ain't nobody looking at your stuff, right? <laughs> ain't nobody want that. And then the other side of it where it's an individual who's like, you know, I really do have these people in my life who it's like they're never happy for me, you know, yes. and I almost feel like I can't share my accomplishments or the things, the great things that happened to me because either they're in a funk so then they can't celebrate or right. So it's like that, that complex feeling. How do you navigate all yes. of that? So it almost reminds me of an ambivalent friend. There's this like ugh, so much research now being shown on ambivalent friends. An ambivalent friend is someone that you keep close, but you don't know if they're for you. You're like, oh, I don't know. Did I have a good time? I'm not even sure if that was fun. Let me call them because if I don't, they're going to be upset. It's like they kind of fly a little bit under the radar because in the moment you don't really think of them as difficult people because they when it counts, I guess you could say they show up. But everything else is like, oh my goodness, I get like this weird vibe with them. I don't, I don't know. Are they jealous of me? D boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. And I would say as a Christian, a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer. I've, I've learned, oh my goodness, when you pray God, start exposing friends, he does it. He does it. And that of seeing people online doing that, this is what I've seen. This error of look at me, you know, I have this platform, look at me and look at my haters and all these quotes about haters. Most of the time, people that talk like that. Oh, my goodness. Are I'm they haters? Trouble with no. <laughs> go Most there, of the go time, there. they're like histrionic personality disorder. Look at me. I'm entitled. Look at me. And what gives them ooh, what gives them validation is the thought that people are jealous of them because that then says they are worthy. Mm. Like, look at me, uh, all these people just want to be like me. They're very full of themselves. They're very full of themselves. Now, do, does jealousy exist? Absolutely. Are there jealous people out there? Absolutely. But when you are really attacked by someone who is jealous of you, the last thing you want to do is post about it. Yeah, that's so What true. you want to do is like, whoa, I need to put some boundaries up, block them. Like I've seen posts of people, people are funny. I've seen posts where, where people will say like, I'm going to leave my page um, not private so my haters could watch. Okay, so you like the drama. Yeah. <laughs> so you like so this. True. So they have a cosa. Like, <laughs> that's what I've seen. That's what I've seen. I would say if you have a friend like that, that you notice talks a lot like that, be careful because birds of a, a feather fly together that you don't start believing those delusions yes and that's it's delusional very, yeah and that's very important you know you always want to not that you're always like assessing your friend circle yeah. and all that other stuff but si tu ve que una mala mania or a bad yes. habit is starting to rise in one of your friends like, you know mm -hmm. check it they like, be like yo what's really good i see that you're constantly posting about this is it that serious right. <laughs> you, you know mad? because you should you be able you should be able to have that ability to speak to them that way if they're your friend, exactly, uh, you know, exactly. which is a whole nother uh, conversation. Now, I did want to ask, you know, we did speak a little <laughs> bit about the whole idea of someone who is a narcissist. Um, yes. And I think that the way that it was broken down is that this is an individual that even if you point it out to them, they're like, I don't care. It's you know, it's, it is what it is. That's how I am too bad yeah. deal with it um i don't know if there's yeah. an opposite to that uh but i did have this question about you know what do you tell someone who is self-aware enough to know they are the difficult person in their group Ooh, well if they're self-aware to know they're the difficult person in their group shows that there's humility so they they're, they're not that difficult okay so that's actually a good sign there's because that's the thing so <laughs> difficult people lack empathy, uh, reliability, they lack humbleness and they lack awareness. So, I mean, it's, they kind of all like jumbled together. 
Because if I'm not humble, if I'm not aware, I'm not going to be humble of something I'm not aware of. And if I'm not aware or humble, I'm not, I'm certainly not going to be empathetic to my behaviors mm-hmm. towards you. Someone who's narcissistic would say phrases like, you know, you're too sensitive. Yeah. You took it the wrong way. You need tougher skin. It's it's this justification. And I've seen it where someone will, even in a letter, say, you know what? I know this narcissistic person and maybe it's a husband or a spouse. And you know what? I'm going to write them a letter because whenever I talk to them face to face, I feel like they just never understand me. And they write a great letter and they might share it with me and like, okay, therapist, what do you think of this letter? And it's like, you know what? You're kind of wasting your breath or you're wasting your, you know, your ink because if someone chooses not to be aware and empathetic or just can't be, whether you write it or speak to them about it, it's not going to get through. This is where you really need the help of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And and what if, you know, dealing with, again, yeah. a similar person who... Um, you know, may not be like you said, like super proud, you know, they are humble. They recognize that they may be a problem. They recognize that they have character traits that are difficult and they, you know, constantly find themselves in situations where um, those things are elevated, right. Or highlighted in them, but they're humble enough to know like, Oh my goodness, like I I did that again, or this happened or that happened. Um, You know, and I think oftentimes we hear, Uh, especially in the church world, like we kind of throw it on God, you know, where we'll say things like, you know, God change me or God take this out of me or God, you know, I put this at your feet, you know? Yeah. Um, what is the balance? Where do we go and, you know, say, God, change me, because you're the only one who can change me. And then where do we say, like, okay, I need to actually start doing things differently. You know, I need to maybe make a list. I need to maybe, you know, like really analyze certain situations. What does that balance look like? It's both. The the balance of God uh, helped me take off the old man. And then the other scripture that says, okay, I need to stop bitterness, brawling, uh, malice. There's God, you know, God does his part, but you have to move as well. Even the scripture that says, search my heart, oh God, because not all of us have the best awareness. I'm sure I've hurt someone's feelings and go, oh my goodness, I didn't even notice that that hurt that person's feelings. So just being humble enough in your daily walk, in your prayer life to say, God, catch me. If I'm wrong, Lord Jesus, correct me. This is why it's so important to be in a church family where you have a pastor that you can submit under and your pastor can also correct you. Ay, 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 that's another topic. (laughs) Where people don't want to submit to correction. See, that's the thing. God can mold you also through people. Yes. So just like we were saying about friendships, what what if in that moment you're the person that can help this other person with their awareness? Like, hey, I noticed you did A, B, and C. That hurt my feelings. And if you did it with me, you might be doing this with other people. I'm just saying this because I love you and I want to see you grow. It's up to that person, narcissistic or not, to say, wow, I want to choose growth. But if that person doesn't want to choose growth, okay, we'll keep you in prayer. Yeah, so it's 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 doing your best to have people around you. There's there's three types of friends you should have. You should have the confidant, the one that you can you know spill the tea with. You could be honest with. You could let it all out. Um, you've known them for a good amount of time, and you trust them with your secrets. They have proven themselves worthy. I guess you could say of of your trust. That's the confidant. Then you have someone that's the challenger, someone that can challenge you and say, are you sure? Is is Are you sure about this? Are you sure about that? Then you need someone that's more like a confronter that has no problem telling you, hey, you're wrong. Sometimes if you're blessed, you have one person that could do all three, but you have to assess your circle to make sure you have at least those three. Is it all one person? or Is it your spouse? Is it a good friend? Is it your pastor? But you need that. You need that. Paul was that to, to his people. Hey, what's going on here? And you see that time and time again in the Bible of the, the importance of submitting to someone else so that they could cover you and mentor you and let you know when you're wrong. 
I think again, I, 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 no, yeah, I think it's good. And I, and you know, like I said before, it, this conversation, you know, has its lot of benefits, uh, for our listeners and even us that are engaging in it. Um, and part of that is to take a step back and just self-analyze. Like, do you have those type of people in your circle? Um, because those are important. It is important. You always want to make sure that you're surrounded by people that not only say you do an amazing job and that throw you your flowers, but that are always, you know, looking out for the best for you even if it comes through in the form of correction even if it comes in the form of advice even in the form of hard truths you know these are the people that we need uh in our circle and you know this is a conversation that can keep going and going uh (laughs) because it is really important it's really important it's really good uh but before we closed out i did want to give you the opportunity that if there's anything maybe you had something written down that you're like oh i hope we get on this like is there anything that you want to say before we close out the episode I really wanted to say this, you know, nowadays there's the talk of, oh, this person's toxic or this, you know, everybody nowadays is being labeled as a narcissist. And I'm not saying that narcissists don't, don't, don't live among us, but before you point the finger at the toxic person, before you grab the scissors and I'm gonna cut them off my life, show grace. Yes. You too have had moments of toxicity. You're not perfect. And I just think as Christians, we need to be careful with this, toxic culture everybody's toxic and everybody's a narcissist and the bible says in romans 12 18 if it's possible when it comes to you live at peace with everyone it doesn't say cut people off i don't know where this cut people off thing how it's entered the church we are called to love we are called to love our enemies talk about difficult that's the biggest difficult person you might deal with love your enemies As a Christian, we shouldn't be quick to cut people off. We should be quick to put boundaries. But even with boundaries, if it's possible, live at peace with everyone. So before you're quick to call someone else toxic, pray about it. Re-examine your own ways because if God showed you grace, you could show other people grace as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, for wrapping it up that way because I think, again, it's this is... A conversation that should, you know, cause you to self-reflect and not so much point the finger at all the difficult people in your life, you know, uh, but definitely cause you to just self-reflect on even your own life. So, Priscilla, thank you once again for being on our podcast. Can you please just remind us where we can find you on social media? Yes. So on Facebook and Instagram, I'm under Living Abundantly TV. And um, like they said, on Wednesdays, 4 p.m. Eastern time, I do a live on different topics. But thank you guys so much for having me again. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, we're always blessed and edified by our conversation, just like I know our listeners um, are as well. So please uh, don't forget to go and follow uh, Priscilla at Living Abundantly TV. Be sure to stay connected to all of her great posts and everything that she is doing. It will definitely, uh, you know, bless your life. And, um, you know, also we want to remind you not to forget to hit that subscribe button, leave that review, leave that rating so that you can be notified whenever we drop a new episode. So once again, we want to thank Priscilla and our listeners for joining us today in the latest episode of the God Life Culture podcast. That's God Life Culture. Until next time. See ya. Bye.